Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8 today, and what we're going to talk about is all kind of bouncing off of that. We're going to break our talk into two sections, and so we're jumping here into the first section. We're talking about the fact that Jesus is alive. Now, if I was going to come up to you and we'd walk to any graveyard and we'd start looking around and I'd say, what are the chances that somebody in this graveyard who is already dead will come back to life again? You would be like, zero. And you'd probably be right. It just doesn't happen. It's actually a really strange claim to say that somebody rose from the dead. I mean, if if you were totally entering into this conversation, never hearing the claim that Jesus rose from the dead before, you would be like, uh, that's ridiculous. And that's what makes this particular story so incredible. Today, we want to look in this first section about a, a few reasons why you can believe with confidence that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And then our second section, we're going to talk about why it matters and why hope then is alive. Because if Jesus is alive, hope is alive. Maybe you've believed in the resurrection of Jesus for a very long time. This stuff will be encouraging to you. This will be a reinforcement, and it may be something that you can share with a friend. And maybe you're here today and you're skeptical, or you're not sure. I want, to, I want you to take these reasons that we're going to look at and dig into them. Dig in farther. None of this is original with me. This has been something that's been talked about for generations and generations and generations, ever since the, the event of Jesus raising from the dead first happened. So we're going to look at five reasons you can believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, it starts off that conversation. Paul says to his listeners in a town that was going through some really difficult stuff, he was saying to them, remember the gospel I preached to you. So this idea of the gospel or the good news that Jesus died for your sins on the cross, that he rose again from the dead three days later, and that he's actually God, and he's giving you a way to be saved. That good news is something that everybody, everybody was talking about. It was the water cooler conversation. It's what they talked about around their dinner tables. It's what they talked about with their friends and with their family. It was spreading this conversation like wildfire through that day and through that age. This claim that Jesus, the king of the Jews, who died on the cross, actually rose again from the dead. And so when they talked about it, there were different things that caused a huge, huge move into Christianity. People believed it. It was actually like standing in that graveyard and saying, what are the chances of somebody rose from the dead, would raise from the dead? And the guy going, nothing. Let me tell you about Jesus. And all of a sudden, that guy that thought there was zero chance that anybody would raise from the dead believed that Jesus rose from the dead. So what convinced them? And what can show us that Jesus actually rose from the dead? Let's look at the top five. We'll start with number five uh, as we work to prove it. And we take what we believe by faith, but it's a reasonable faith. Number five, the, the fifth reason that you can believe Jesus rose from the dead is this uncommon historical documentation. Number five is a historical conversation that we're having. 
And we're talking about how do you know any history event actually happens? How do you know that George Washington crossed the Delaware River? How do you know that Galileo was burned at the stake? How do you know that Alexander had elephants and he crossed mountains with them? Well, we use historical documentation. Somebody had to write it down for us. It's not like today where everyone gets everything on video and it's recorded and for millions of people to see. Ancient history or far history had to be written down. Now, some events we have very little documentation of. There's actually not a lot of documentation about these elephants actually crossing the mountains. But there is enough that the world believes it happened. When it comes to the event of Jesus dying and then raising from the dead, we don't just have a little bit of historical documentation. We have an uncommon amount. There is writer after writer after writer who talks about this. There is storyteller after storyteller after storyteller who, who has recorded it in their journals. It comes from different cities. It comes from different times. It comes from different zones. And people write it, write it down all the way from eyewitnesses who were there to people who were talking to people who were there who believed that this actually happened. This story was told over and over again as a historical event. Jesus rising from the dead and then his tomb being found empty and then people seeing him after he had died can be considered historically accurate. As a matter of fact, most historians absolutely believe Jesus existed, absolutely believe he died on a cross, and absolutely believe that his tomb was found empty. Now, not everyone agrees he rose from the dead, but the historical evidence points to this, not as a story, but as an actual event. The fourth reason we can believe that Jesus died on the cross, remember, Paul said, this is the gospel. This is what we're all talking about. This is how you can know that Jesus died and rose from the dead. This is what they would have said. They would have looked at this rapid and immediate growth of Christianity. It would take a lot to convince you of something incredible like someone raising from the dead today. It would be, it would be uh, something that you would be very, very skeptical of. So if it didn't happen, if there wasn't evidence for it, if it couldn't be proven, then the story would likely just die or just exist as a legend. But in early Christianity, thousands and thousands and thousands of people believed that Jesus rose from the dead immediately after his death and in the days, weeks, decades, and generations to follow. Hundreds of thousands of followers became Jesus' followers. It was Jewish people. It was Gentiles. It was Romans. And everybody was was. Uh, following, following this belief that Jesus rose from the dead. Well, what convinced them? What made them believe something that was absolutely unbelievable? The evidence that they had in front of them led them to the belief that Jesus was who he said he was. At Branch Life Church, we've been talking about this for the last four or five weeks in our Prove It series. I'm going to remind you about some of the things that they would have known about as they heard these stories that caused them to believe that, yes, this is actually true. Jesus did die and he did actually raise from the dead and then I'm going to follow him because if Jesus rose from the dead, then hope is alive and we have someone to follow. So take a look at the spread of Christianity and see how incredible it is in that that many people believe that quickly that Jesus actually rose from the dead. The third thing that we look at to prove that Jesus rose from the dead is the death of the disciples. Now, how does the death of the disciples prove that Jesus rose from the dead? Jesus had disciples, or he had followers, that were with him as he taught. The 12 apostles, uh, John, Matthew, 
uh, Peter, Andrew, Bartholomew, and their friends who followed Jesus, who saw him do miracles, who listened to his teaching, who were with him in the upper room. And John was even there when he died on the cross. These disciples were devastated when Jesus died. They were crushed when he was arrested and when he was hung on the cross and when his body was laid in a tomb. The Bible says that they spread out and they went to their homes, that they hid for fear of being killed themselves, and they had lost hope. They thought hope had died. Who would follow a dead teacher? Who would follow someone who said that they would raise from the dead but then actually just went away? They thought he was going to be king. So when Jesus died, they lost hope. And they thought, no, he's not the prophet. He's not the Messiah that we thought he was. What changed their minds? What would cause them to change and to then become the greatest promoters of Jesus? What changed their minds was the resurrection. These disciples believed with everything they were that Jesus rose from the dead. So much so that they dedicated their entire lives to the message. They didn't have anything to gain. They didn't have anything to prove. They didn't make any money. They didn't get famous because of their belief in Jesus. They were persecuted. They were hunted down. They lost everything and they were killed. You know, if they were making up a story or if they weren't sure about it, at least one of them probably would have said, no, no, it's not true. It's not true. We made it up. It didn't happen. But every single follower of Jesus gave their life. Peter was hung upside down on a cross. Others were executed, uh, uh, burned at the stake, uh, killed with spears or beheaded. All of these disciples died tragic deaths, and they all died saying that Jesus rose from the dead. There's a famous example of persecution for truth, and it's the... the, uh, astrophysicist, the person that looked at the stars, the the scientist named Galileo. Galileo came to the conclusion that the world was round, while it was very popular to believe that the world was flat. And so when he pronounced his belief that the world was round, and he gave his evidence, the leaders of the day said, nope, he's, he's heretical, he's wrong, and he can't be right. And so Galileo, you need to, you need to say you're wrong and that the earth is flat. He said, no, the earth is round. I'm looking at the truth. They said, no, you have to give it up or you will die. And that's exactly what happened. They took Galileo and they burned him at the stake. But before he died, they gave him a chance to recant and say that the earth was flat. And he said, no, the earth is round. If he was making it up, if he was telling a story, then he would have just given it up. It's not worth giving your life for a lie. These disciples gave their lives for the truth that Jesus is alive. It's a powerful evidence. It's a powerful evidence of at least that they believed it to be true with everything that they were. The second reason we can prove that Jesus is who he says he is, is the empty tomb. This is actually the only piece of physical evidence that we have. The tomb that Jesus was put in was actually empty. If you remember the story, the guards guarded the tomb and and something happened on the third day and it scared the guards and they ran off. And in the gospel of Matthew, it says that the guards were paid to tell a story and that the tomb was then found empty. Mary and Mary came to the tomb and they went in to do what uh, was the ritual of the day and he was gone. And Jesus then appeared first to, his, uh, to, to one of the girls and said them by name. 
and the tomb was empty. Peter and some of the other disciples came running and they found the tomb empty. It's never been explained what happened to Jesus' body other than he left the tomb. The tomb is empty. In the story of Jesus' death, he's taken from the cross and he's placed in the tomb. The tomb is sealed shut and guarded. Yet the tomb was found empty. Well, people say maybe his body was stolen and maybe, maybe it's a, a, giant, a giant trick that was played on people. Hey, these disciples would have had no reason to steal Jesus' body. If he wasn't the Messiah, if he actually died, they weren't going to go and prove and live a lie. They weren't going to try to dupe their entire world into believing that Jesus was the Messiah by stealing his body and making it up. There was no reason for them to do that. The tomb is empty. So how do we explain it? And this last piece of evidence, and there's more than these, but the one that we want to look at last in our time together is the greatest proof that Jesus rose from the dead and it's eyewitnesses. You know, the reason that there was a rapid spread of Christianity, the reason that there's uncommon documentation, the reason that the disciples gave their lives, the reason that we know the tomb was empty because Jesus rose from the dead is because of eyewitnesses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it gives us a list of these eyewitnesses that, that are just some of the people that saw Jesus. Think about this. For I delivered to you as first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he, he appeared to Cephas. Not just Cephas, then to the twelve. He appeared to more than 500 people at one time, most of whom were still alive. In other words, they were all still talking and telling the story, though some had, had died. Then he appeared to James. We'll talk about James in a second. Then to all the apostles, all the followers that were with Jesus. And last of all, to the one untimely born, he appeared to Paul, who's writing this down. So these eyewitnesses are powerful proof. They communicated what they saw, and what they saw after the death and burial of Jesus was Jesus alive. They saw him do miraculous things. They talked to him. They touched him. He showed them the nails in his wrists and his hands. One of the 12 was Thomas. He was famous for doubting. Why would someone who doubts all of a sudden give his life to believe? Because he saw Jesus was alive. And they spread the word, and they spread the good news, and it got turned into the gospel. That means that hope is alive. And if Jesus is alive, that means that he is who he said he was. It's interesting that there's in this list both followers of Jesus and just regular people in the world. There's single people, there's small groups, and there's giant crowds that Jesus appeared to so that there could be no doubt in anyone's mind that this wasn't just a made-up story, that, people, that Jesus was actually alive after he died. They include James. In this. And this is a really powerful example of an eyewitness because James is special because he's the brother of Jesus, the half brother. Mary was his mother and Joseph was James' father. And James grew up with Jesus. Imagine growing up with Jesus. I mean, how annoying would that be? Be a little bit more like your brother Jesus. Jesus never did that. Jesus is always the perfect child. He's an incredible carpenter. You know, James probably had it hard. And of all people, to be convinced, that Jesus was God, that his brother was actually the Messiah, 
The hardest one to convince would be his brother. But Jesus appeared to his brother after he died, and James became a follower of Jesus, his very own brother. James became the pastor of the big church in Jerusalem that grew in, as Christianity began to spread. James gave his life for the belief that Jesus was the Son of God, not the Son of Joseph. So if James believed, shouldn't you too? These are five reasons that we can believe 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15 was written to give us hope. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 was given to a a group of people going through a very difficult time. And he was reminding them of this truth. Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, then hope is alive. We want to continue with our worship as we think about these evidences. And I want to give you a bonus evidence on the other time of on the other side of this conversation. So we're going to worship through song. And kids, get your napkin, your salt shaker, and your coin ready, because we're going to show you this magic trick that you can learn. So I don't know about you, but it's been uh, really strange being stuck in my house for going on four weeks now. We live in a townhome community. There's 350 families that live in the same neighborhood here. Now, the families have been doing an incredible job encouraging each other while keeping our social distance. So one of the things that's been happening in our neighborhood is somebody, and nobody knows who, has been painting rocks and hiding them all around the community. And so when you go out for a walk and when you're uh, hanging out with your kids outside or going out for a run or even driving down the road, you'll stumble across one of these rocks. And they're beautiful rocks. And what happens every time you find one of these rocks is you smile. Your heart gets lifted, and you know that somebody did something kind for you, and you, in that moment, receive an extra dose of hope. Well, one of the rocks that Delaney found on one of our last rocks walks was literally a rock that had the word hope on it. Somebody in our neighborhood gave us hope. They literally gave us hope. When you know, when you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you receive hope. We believe that hope is alive. And Jesus raising from the dead, following Jesus, being someone who's dedicated their lives to Jesus, means that you can experience a hope-filled life no matter what comes, no matter what trials happen, no matter what trouble comes in this world. Jesus guaranteed that we will have trouble, but then he says this, take heart, I have overcome the world. He's overcome sin, he's overcome death, he's overcome disease, and he's overcome destruction. And he says, in the end, hope wins. Listen, we will get through this season, but there will be more trouble to come. Jesus is the answer to your trouble. He gives us hope. You know, I I don't know, I don't know where my heart would be if I didn't have Jesus with me traveling through this season. And that's why Paul, the writer of the Bible study that we're looking at today, said what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me just remind you of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 1, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers. Listen, we need to be reminded about the hope that we have in Jesus. When it gets hard, we need to renew our thoughts. We need to rework our thinking. We need to refresh our memory. We need to hit that little refresh tab at the top of the screen so that things start running smoothly again. 
remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, the good news that Jesus died and he rose again from the dead. Remind ourselves of this, and it's what we need to talk about. It's what we need to be reminded of. Why? Because it gives us hope. Why did he go into all those eyewitness accounts? He was reminding the brothers about the hope that we have in Jesus. And here's what he says. He said, I'm going to remind you of this, and here's why. You received the gospel, you stand in the gospel, and you are being saved by the gospel if you hold fast to this word. So as we close out our thoughts on why we are celebrating and why, what it means to know that hope is alive, think about these three things, receiving, standing, and being saved. When you receive the gospel, you receive hope. You know, it's 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 hard moment when you lose hope. And and hope is actually determined on what you are hoping in. If if I'm hoping in something that isn't strong or isn't powerful or or can't provide for me, then then my hope is misplaced. But when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive hope, not just for this day, but for eternity. Not just for this trial but forever. Hope for here and beyond. A hope that is deeper, a hope that is greater, a hope that is richer, that allows you to live life and live life more abundantly. You know, even in this dark season, when you're a follower of Jesus, you know that you are okay no matter what comes. And because of that knowledge, you're able to have joy and strength and peace in the moment. You know, if I could talk directly to somebody who's battling COVID-19 or their loved ones who are separated from them, if we could have a conversation with those nurses and those doctors that are on the front lines, my next door neighbor is an ICU nurse in one of our local hospitals that's a COVID unit. He sees this firsthand every day. You could talk to those business owners that have had to lay off workers who they care deeply about for those that are uncertain about their future, for those teenagers who have lost their prom, I would say this, there is hope. There is hope in the person of Jesus. If your hope is in your health, if your hope is in your family, if your hope is in your finances or in your job, that's all something we can lose. But we'll never lose Jesus. We'll never lose eternity. We'll never lose this connection that we have with God. And you, when you have a connection with God, when you've received hope, you're able to walk through any circumstance. Sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they're sad. I've had my moments where I've cried. I've had my moments where I've been angry. I've had my moments where I've been hurt. But then I remind myself. I'm reminded of the gospel that I, that I get my hope from that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is well, that he cares for me, that he loves me, and I can trust him no matter what comes. Then I'm able to stand. In Philippians, Paul says this to the, to the believers, when you know Jesus, when you've received hope, that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. What a powerful promise. He's not talking about dunking a basketball or swimming across the ocean. He's talking about traveling through whatever life circumstances bring you. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. 
You can get through today. You can get through tomorrow. You can handle financial collapse. You can deal with disease and disaster. You can travel through grief. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. When you have Christ, when you have the gospel, you can stand. So how are you doing? Christian, are you standing or are you falling down? It's time to stand back up. Why, why in this crisis? Are, we're all going through the same thing. We're all dealing with hardship. We're all, we're all suffering loss. We all have uncertain futures and we don't know what tomorrow brings. Why can some thrive while others crumble? What, why are some out there giving everything that they have to help other people while others are hiding? And we're not saying to be stupid and to not follow the rules. Why are some discouraged and, and anxious? Why are some leaning into addiction while others are, are thriving and, and reaching out to other people with joy and with encouragement? Handing out rocks of hope to neighbors. Checking in on loved ones, smiling, and sharing the good news. When Jesus is your strength, you can do all things through him, and you can stand. Don't try to get through this crisis standing on your own. Don't try to get through this, this week standing on your own. The Bible says that we can renew our mind and be transformed when we strengthen our connection to Christ. So Christian, I want to invite you to stand in Jesus. You are fine. You are okay. Your eternity is secure. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor. Live life and live life more abundantly. Yes, even in your quarantined home. Experience the joy of the Lord that comes when you know him. That can be your strength. And do what it takes to spread the hope of Jesus to everyone and beyond. If you're not sure about your personal faith in Jesus, you're not sure if you're a person of faith or if you're a religious person, you don't have to be any of those things to be a follower of Jesus. You just need to follow Jesus. I want to invite you into a personal relationship with Jesus so that you can receive hope and so that you can stand. Paul reminds the people reading this passage that through Jesus, they can be saved and you can be saved if you put your personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have confidence in eternity no matter what comes. You can have hope for tomorrow no matter what tomorrow brings. And you can have joy in trials. When you know Jesus as your Savior, what's the answer to this pandemic? What's the answer to the problems in this world? The answer is Jesus. He loves you. He died for your sins and he rose again from the dead, proving everything that he said was true and that he is God himself. I want to invite you guys deeper into this conversation. Next week, we're going to finish this Prove It series and we're going to talk about how we can prove that Jesus is actually God. And he's alive and well, sitting at the right hand of God right now. And tomorrow night on, on our uh, Facebook Live Talkback, we're going to talk about ways you can have hope in this crisis for this next week. So join us there. But if you're not sure if you have a personal faith in Jesus Christ, today I want to invite you to be saved. I want to invite you to become a follower of Jesus. I want you to take the hope is alive challenge. I got saved when I was a young man. I realized my need for a savior. I realized it was my sin that was separating me from God and there was nothing I could do about it. So in the moments that I understood who Jesus was, I prayed. I asked God to forgive me of my sins. I asked him to, to be my savior, to come into my life and to save me. 
There was a religious leader back in Jesus' time who had this same conversation with Jesus. What must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, hey, you you just simply got to be born again. You have to have a new life. And if you put your faith in Jesus, you can have that new life right now, wherever you are. I want to encourage you to tell Jesus that you believe, that you're sorry for your sins, and that you believe he died and he rose again on the dead for you, and that you want to become a follower of Jesus. You want Jesus in your life, in your heart. So will you do that in the quietness of this moment? If you're ready to become a follower of Jesus, will you pray this prayer? Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you died. You sent Jesus who died for me on the cross. And I believe he rose again from the dead. I want to become a follower of Jesus. Will you save me? In this moment, if you've prayed that prayer, believing in your heart and saying it with your mouth, that's what the Bible says it takes to be saved. You've received the free gift of salvation and you can be confident in tomorrow. It doesn't mean there's not going to be trouble. We all got trouble. But now you have hope. Now you can stand in strength and now you can travel through this life and you can continue being saved as you are a follower of Jesus. The gospel, the good news makes all the difference. I want to encourage you to take the hope is alive challenge. In just a moment, we're going to talk to the kids about the the trick that they learned and how they can post it online. If you stay to the very end, you might see how the trick actually works. And when they post that video, don't forget to use the hashtag hope is alive. But grown-ups, you can get involved too. I want to encourage you to share hope with those around you by simply posting a video with the hashtag hope is alive explaining how your how you have had hope during this time. Tell people how you know Jesus as your personal savior. Tell us the story about when you got saved and tell us how Jesus has given you hope. Give us an example, tell us a story, show something that's been an encouragement to you, whether it's a Bible verse, whether it's a kind act from a friend, whether it's a, a quiet confidence that you get from seeing Jesus in or through creation. And share your stories of hope and use the hashtag hopeisalive and tag us at Branch Life Church. We'd love to flood the internet with your stories of hope, of standing strong, and of being saved through this crisis. Today, we celebrate that Jesus is alive. People have seen him. We've given you five reasons why you can know that Jesus is alive, five ways to prove it. But the greatest way to know Jesus is alive is to experience a relationship with him for yourself. I know Jesus is alive every day because I talk to him, because I walk with him, because he leads me and he guides me and he comforts me. And I want that for you too. I want Jesus to be your hope each and every day. Today is a day of celebration because Jesus rose from the dead and it changes everything and hope is alive. We're gonna continue on with worship and then we wanna encourage you to respond. Let us know if you've accepted Jesus as your personal savior. Would you travel to the branchlife.church response tab, click it there in the comment section, whether you're watching this live or the rebroadcast. And if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, if you've prayed the prayer for salvation, please let us celebrate with you by telling us, by letting us know. And if you have any other questions, you can let us know in the prayer section or in the comment section of those cards. You can also go to the branchlife.church slash gospel tab where you can hear this conversations continued. 
and respond there. Guys, we hope that you've been able to celebrate Jesus, celebrate his resurrection today in a whole new way that you can celebrate with your family, that you can share with others the hope that you have. We have a reason to smile. We have a reason to thrive because Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, hope is alive. Have a happy Easter.